0: Good evening, man I can't tell you how uh, awesome it is to know that there are so many people praying for me and my wife and for our little girl, it just means the world to me. Uh, it's, it's a really great thing to see uh, a church like this just come together and uh, really offer up prayers for for people no matter what circumstance they find them, themselves in. Uh, me and April are just elated with all the love that you've shown us and all the care that you've shown us and the patience that you've had with us and whatever else. Uh, it, it's a pretty, pretty amazing thing uh, to be a dad, and I just want to thank you guys uh, for your prayers, for your support, and everything. Uh, so there used to be a podcast, and more or less a podcast is a, a radio show that you can record. And so I would I used to, I'd listen to podcasts pretty often and there was one of them that I listened to when I first got into podcasts and I cannot tell you the name of it I've looked at it I've looked it up I couldn't remember I'm not even sure if it exists anymore but it was something along the lines of the world's stupidest criminals okay the world's stupidest criminals and one of them that stood out to me every time uh, it was the funniest one that I'd ever heard so there was a guy in Chicago And there was a new Verizon wireless store that had just opened up in Chicago. And they were going to have their big grand opening uh, on this weekend. And this criminal got the idea that he was going to break in and just wipe them clean of all their stock and get out. Because he thought, you know, maybe they didn't have security stuff set up in there yet, you know, or, or whatever it was. So the criminal unknowingly walks into this Verizon store that has nothing in it yet. They were getting a big shipment in that morning, and they were going to open up that night. Uh, But this was probably about 2 (laughs) a.m. So he walks in, and he realizes, he opens up all the drawers, all, all the stuff, and he's like, where is all of the stuff? And he can't figure out where it is. And then about that time, this all got caught on video, by the way. Then about that time, an alarm goes off. So the guy starts looking around, he don't know what to do, so he he finds a door, and he can't open that door, so he goes to another one, and he can't open that door, and he finally tries another door, and he finds it, and he opens it up, and it closes behind him, and he realizes he has locked himself up in a security room that he had no idea was there. And later on, the police come, and they just pick him up, and they take him to jail, now, how dumb do you have to be to do this? You know, how just, I mean, that's, that's one of those things that just, to me, I just don't know. I think, what was this guy thinking? You know, what, what you go in there and why didn't you just go out the way you came? You know, why, why would you decide to, to go, try a different door and, and get yourself locked up in there even more? But some of the, these things, we, we see this kind of behavior all the time. And we always have this thing what was he thinking? You know, I'm an Auburn basketball fan. I love, I love football, Auburn football, Auburn basketball. Made it to the final four, and in the game I see that foul happen, and I say, what was he thinking? What was he thinking? And we, we have this thought process all the time. And so whenever I read this, this verse that was read for us in Acts chapter 6, that's one of the things that comes to my mind. What were they thinking? We do things all the time without thinking. We make statements. We say things. You know, there's a phrase called, you know, they put their foot in their mouth. Uh, That's also, what was that person thinking when they opened their mouth? Okay? We have so many things that happen like this where we just don't know what we were thinking or what we were thinking about or what was going on in that person's mind when they decided that that was a good idea. In the book of James, the Bible tells us that. We pray and we do not receive because we ask with wrong motives to spend it on our passions. And Jesus mentions that when we pray, don't be seen by men, but pray in private, and the Lord will reward you in private. And so this goes back to this idea of motives. What are the motives that we have? That's the, it all goes back, well, what was he thinking? Well, he had some sort of motive that made him do that. For that criminal... The motive was he was wanting to get a a quick, a few bucks, right? He wanted to get some money. That was his motive. So when we read this in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, we read about this bad news, and I want to know what their motive is. I want to know what's going on in their mind that makes them decide that it's a good idea to completely just not worry about the Hellenist women, if you set up a background, Jesus has gone to heaven. The apostles are left there to help all of these disciples of Christ. They begin proclaiming Jesus. They're baptizing people. They're good, bringing the good news to tons of people. And in one day, 3,000 people become Christians. They're all, those 3,000 people are added to the Lord's church. And we see pretty great stuff happening. We see people being healed. We see people who have never seen they can see again. We see disciples that were in jail get released because of the prayers of righteous people. We see this great stuff. And then right here in the middle of it, in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, so the church is growing, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So what does that mean? You could look at this and just say, well, you know, it was just an accident. They just accidentally neglected the the Hellenist women, right? They just kind of fell through the cracks, maybe. But we see some even more bad news, and it's not like that this is just a one-time thing. It's obviously a continuous thing, because if it just happened once, they probably wouldn't hear a complaint. But if it happens multiple times people start to say something. It kept happening, and it wasn't happening to everybody. It was happening to a specific group of people, people that didn't maybe speak Hebrew or speak Aramaic like the rest of the Jews. There were the people that spoke Greek. They were the people being left out of the daily distribution of food, and the reasoning was because they were different. The Bible is full of people that serve God that include people, and sometimes people get excluded. The blind, a lot in the Bible, were excluded. The deaf were excluded. The people that were possessed by demons, I mean, even the person that was possessed by demons was shunned and pushed over into a a cemetery where he had to live over by himself, away from everybody else, because they wanted to get rid of him. We see things like this happen all the time. What about when Jonah didn't want to talk to the people in Nineveh? Why did he not want to talk to the people in Nineveh? Because they didn't deserve heaven in his mind. His thought process is, those people are horrible, wicked people, and they don't deserve heaven, and I don't want them to go to heaven. We see this happening, and we see the motive behind it, and it gets a little bit scary Once the apostles realized that there's a problem, the problem got brought to them and they wisely handled this situation. Uh, You can finish out chapter six and you can see how they handled it, but it was a really great way. They chose men to handle each person to make sure nobody was left out and nobody was neglected. They saw a problem and they handled it the way that they knew how. You see what happened here in the circumstances that a clique was formed. And we all know what a clique is. And cliques are motive-driven groups that neglect or leave out people. If you're in a clique, you're separating the body of Christ. I'm not saying that there's people that shouldn't be in a group of friends uh, because friends are going to be friends with each other. There's going to be people who get along better with other people. It's going to happen. There's things like that that happen. Some people just get along with other people better, and that's completely okay. That's completely fine. But there is a huge difference in a clique and in a group of friends. A clique's goal is to exclude someone or keep someone out just because they're different. Maybe it's something that they do. Maybe it's the way they dress. Maybe it's how much money they make. Maybe whatever it is, a click excludes those people. The difference in a group of friends and a click is like this. You see the, the PowerPoint up here? A group of friends I did with like a, a, po- a, a dotted line. Because that is a group of friends. They're friends with each other. But if somebody wants to join the group or somebody is wanting to, to engage that group in and friends and, and try to be friends with them, then they allow it. They have those holes where people can come in and that group can rise. That group can get bigger. Now a clique is one that has closed off sides. And that whole reasoning is, it's because they don't want people in their little group of friends. They're completely comfortable in that little group that they have, that tight-knit group, and we're, we're happy the way it is, and we don't want anybody else to come in here and ruin it. And that is really bad, especially when you see it happening in the church. And I might see it happen a lot more uh, because I'm, I work with teenagers and it's not, not necessarily a, part, a thing that this, I think this church is struggling with, but I do think it's something that we can open our eyes to and recognize that this sometimes does happen. And a lot of times, we don't realize that it's happening. I mean, when the, when the Hellenists were being avoided and being neglected, the people there, once they realized it was happening and they got pointed out to them, they, they changed it. They did something to fix that. They wanted to make those things better. This idea of a click is kind of like that classic thing that you see on TV shows and movies every now and then. You'll see people sitting at a table uh, and they're all eating their lunch at school maybe and somebody walks up and says, hey, is this seat taken? And They say, oh no, you know, that, that seat's open and that person goes to sit down and everybody at the table stands up and walks off and they leave that person sitting there by himself. That's the way a click works. That's the attitude of a click, And a Christian in a click is hypocritical. Christians are called to include everyone. It doesn't matter if they're from somewhere else. It doesn't matter if they speak a different language. It doesn't matter whatever it is. Christians need to be inclusive. God calls us to minister to everyone. He calls us to serve everyone. And Jesus shows what that means and what that looks like when he goes to Zacchaeus's house. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Not only was he a little man, but he also stole a lot of money from a lot of people. And he got excluded. He was pushed away. He didn't have friends. People wouldn't get out of the way so he could go and meet Jesus. So he had to climb up into a tree just to see the man that he was wanting to see that was walking through. And what does Jesus do to that one person who had been shunned by all of the community He ignores everybody else. He goes over the tree and he says, Hey, Zacchaeus, why are you up in this tree? Come down. I want to eat lunch with you. Jesus was inclusive. He was not exclusive. He ate with people who were shunned all the time not only would he eat with those people but he would help them in whatever ways that he could and the bible is full of people that served god by including people that were previously excluded in 1st samuel 16:7 it says but the lord said to samuel i do not look on his do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because i have rejected him for the lord sees not as man sees man looks on the outward appearance but the lord looks on the heart God doesn't only look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart of his people. God wants everyone included. It even says that God is patient, waiting for people to come to repentance and become Christians so that they can be in heaven. And God is patiently waiting for that to happen. All are given an invitation of eternal life. And it's our jobs to make sure that they get that invitation. It's not our jobs To keep that invitation from them and try to prevent that person from being able to serve God and to become a Christian a Christian in a clique is hypocritical we're called to include we're called not exclude and if we want to help the helpless and accept the unacceptable we have to be willing to break down these cliques to get out of our comfort zone and minister to the world in Galatians 2 We'll pick up in verse 11. This is a little story about another clique that got uh, arranged here in the Bible. And and we're going to see how Paul responds to this. And it's with people that you would never imagine would do this. You know, the the two people that I'm about to talk about is Peter and Barnabas. And Peter and Barnabas are two of the most inclusive people that I can think of in the Bible. But here we see them in a kind of a bad situation. In verse 11 it says, But when Cephas, who is also called Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is Paul writing, and he says, Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews accepted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and do not li- and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through the faith in Jesus Christ, so that we have believed in Jesus Christ, in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself from me. I do not nullify the grace of God. If righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If you notice the way that Peter was acting here, he was operating out of fear. And that's usually the way that cliques operate. Cliques operate out of fear because if there was a definition of a clique, I believe that a group of friends Peter is with is the very definition of what a clique looks like. You see, Peter's being hypocritical because before certain men came from James, Peter was eating with whomever, and when the next group of people came in, the circumcision party, what does Peter do? Not only does he get up and like separate himself and act like he didn't do, have anything to do with this group of people, but he also brought his friends with him to avoid those people. This is pretty crazy to me because I see Barnabas as the person who who brought Paul in. You know, everybody was shunning Paul and trying to get rid of Paul because of the things that he had done for Christians. And when Paul becomes a Christian, he goes into the group of believers and they're all walking away from him. They're all scared to death. But Barnabas is the person who steps up and he says, No, this is Paul and he's changed. We need to accept him. We need to include him. He needs to be a part of our community. He has changed. He's not the same person anymore. And right here we see Barnabas acting out of fear and avoiding and doing the exact thing that those people were doing to Paul when Barnabas rescued him. And so Paul, I like to think that Paul was kind of a blunt guy, says that he (laughs) rebuked him to his face. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure how that looks, but I'm pretty sure that he said, hey, Peter, what you're doing is wrong you need to stop doing this you are excluding people and I don't want to see it happen anymore I think that's kind of what that looks like it wasn't delicate I wouldn't think he wanted everybody in the building to know what Paul and Bar- or what Peter and Barnabas were doing was wrong Peter and Barnabas and the other Jews were afraid of what other people in the clique would think of them. And the Gentiles arrived and were wanting to eat and fellowship, but the Jews, along with Peter and Barnabas, were afraid of what the others might think. Completely uncharacteristic of those two, but it happened. They messed up. And sometimes that happens with us too. And if you find yourself as maybe being a part of a clique, or maybe you're just not as open To including other people as you thought you might be it doesn't mean that you're a bad person it doesn't mean that you need to be reprimanded or rebuked or whatever but it does mean that you have to realize that we need to be inclusive how can there be a healthy church a healthy body of Christ if we're excluding people clicks will tear down and destroy churches quicker than anything Clicks are a plague in a lot of churches that I've been to and in a lot of churches across our United States. You see it happen all the time, and they've destroyed relationships, they've destroyed saved people, and they've really just plagued our churches. And Paul here sees an opportunity to address this situation he writes to the Galatians and he tells them of the event that the clique had happened and he established itself in the church in Antioch and Paul opposed Peter to his face if we want a healthy church we have to be willing to call out those cliques and I'm not telling you to be a jerk and I'm not saying that you need to get all up in somebody's face and and say something to them or just say you know what that church is just too clicky, so I'm leaving we don't need to do that that's not what we see from Paul we do see from Paul as someone who cares about those people, and he tells them what's going on, he addresses the situation, and he changes what's happening. And it wasn't because Paul was jealous, and it wasn't because Paul was just trying to be mean and trying to stir up controversy, but we see right here in the scripture what, what it says. It says that Paul calls out Peter because he stood condemned. Peter stood condemned. So what does that mean? If the Bible says that Peter stood condemned, when when Paul calls out Peter, it means that Paul saw just how much of an impact this was having. He says that, in Galatians 2, it says that Peter was condemned. I believe that I speak for everyone when I say, that I'm tired of seeing neglect in our churches, maybe not necessarily in this churches, but in the churches in general. And I'm tired of seeing someone choose not to help people. And I'm tired of hearing people whenever they leave churches and they say things like, I just chose not to come back to that church because I just didn't feel like I was a part of it. I just didn't feel like I was being included. I'm tired of hearing those words from so many people who leave. So I'd like to ask you just a few questions. Who are the people that you are thinking about right now? As I'm talking, who are the people that you're thinking about? There was a news story that I heard about that affected me deeply. Uh, It might just be because I'm a Christian and I'm looking at it from a, a spiritual aspect, but there was a lady named Esmond Green. Esmond Green was sick. She needed help. She was hurting. She was helpless. And Esmond Green was neglected. So when you're sick and you're helpless, where do you go? You go to the one place that you know you're going to be taken care of at. And so Esmond Green went to her hospital where she was ignored and neglected. I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and start this video.
1: a sad death in New York City. Surveillance cameras at a city-run psychiatric hospital emergency room in Brooklyn capture a woman falling from a chair, writhing on the floor and dying. Hospital staff and other patients watch and do nothing for more than an hour. One guard doesn't even leave his chair, rolling it around the corner to stare at the body. The New York Civil Liberties Union sued the facility, Kings County Hospital Center, last year over the way it treats psychiatric patients. This a chamber of filth, decay, indifference, and danger,
0: and seeks an end to the culture of abuse and neglect.
1: City's medical examiner has yet to determine why the woman, 49-year-old Esmond Green, died on June 20th. She had been waiting in the emergency room for nearly 24 hours. The
0: reason why this woman died the way she did is because there is a culture of indifference
1: to patients that permeates every aspect of KCHC's psychiatric care. The agency that runs the hospital released a statement saying, we are shocked and distressed by the situation. It is clear that some of our employees failed to act based on our compassionate standards of care. The hospital has directed the suspension and termination of those involved. Surveillance video eventually shows a member of the medical staff attending to Green, but it's too late. She has already died. Ted Chaffrey, The Associated Press, New York.
0: Now, I don't know about you guys, but when you're sick, you go to a hospital. But what do you do when you get neglected at the hospital? When you get ignored at the hospital? I mean, people watched. The ladies sat there for 24 hours waiting for help. And none came, and we just watched the video. She just rises in pain, falls to the ground, and dies. And we watched as this happens. And security guards, doctors, medical professionals are just looking over, and they're just kind of looking at it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just, being crazy. One of the security guards doesn't even get out of his chair. How often does that happen in church buildings? how many esmond greens have come into this building and were ignored and neglected how many times has that happened since the church began where people come in and it's the one place that they know that they're going to get some kind of attention that one place that they know people are going to treat them right and include them and be a part of their lives and and make sure that they're taken care of and, and make sure that the sick get help In one place, and then they come in, and how often does it happen? Those people leave, and they never come back. Who is your Esmond Green? And what are you going to do to help that person be helped, loved, and accepted? Are you gonna be like one of the security guards where you just kind of peek around the corner and look and say, oh, there's somebody new and sit back down in your pew and continue on with your business? Or are you gonna be somebody who gets up and tries to help the sick person that came to, to the great physician? In Matthew 25, 42 through 46, we're all familiar with this. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me no food I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they'll all answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will say to them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of these, the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous... Into eternal life Jesus says I was the person who came into the church building needing help and I was ignored and I was neglected I long for the day where everyone takes it upon themselves to make sure that every single person who steps a foot in this building is treated like they matter doesn't matter what they're wearing, it doesn't matter where they talk, it doesn't matter who they are, I cannot wait for the day that we can say 100% that when somebody comes in here, whether they're sick or not, they will not leave without having gotten some kind of help. I long for when every single person who goes to a church is treated like Jesus would have treated them. If you aren't a part of Of the body of Christ we would love to see you be baptized tonight there's no better place to come when you are sick and when you are hurting and when you are desperate than coming to the church and and giving your life to Jesus Christ I don't know how many people are in this building but every single one of the people in this building who are Christians would tell you it was the best decision they ever made and that they would not be able to do life without Jesus Christ that life is just too hard because I'm standing in front of you now and I'm telling you life is too difficult and too hard for me to live without knowing that there is a savior who loves me, who cares for me, who listens to my prayers and answers my prayers. If you're not a part of this this fellowship, if you're not part of our church, if you're not part of the body of Christ, make yourself a Christian. Or maybe you're needing prayers for yourself. Maybe you've made that commitment and you've seen something in your life. It doesn't have to be something to do with not including people or excluding people. It can be about anything. This invitation is open to anyone who has any need. Maybe you have a few mistakes in your life that you'd like to get back together. You'd like to clean those things up. We all have fallen short. We all have sinned. We can fix those things. Tonight, if there's any way that we can assist you, Please come and let it be known as we stand and as we sing.